It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Look at somebody and say, get up. No, now say it like you mean it. Do you believe this morning that there are spirits that are trying to take you out? You believe in that? Anybody in here have any question that there's both heavenly forces and forces of darkness? Okay, Ephesians 6 says, You war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, spirits, powers of darkness, right? So when we come together in a natural setting like this, uh, I believe it was Barbara and Jerry. Okay, this morning when I first came in, they were some of the first people here. And she said, we used to do all this with the children's ministry, and he was a clown, and I still think he's a bit of a clown. Oh, he was the clown. He was the clown. She said, but now we're intercessors. And I told her that this is all wonderful and good, but the flesh part of what we do, singing and dancing and praising, is not where the battle is won. It's one in the heavenly realms that you have to use that worship to get to that zone so that we wage war against the principalities that are trying to dog us out. And there are today, let me confirm to you, there are principalities, and I'm going to talk to you about it in the Word, that have been chasing God's prophets forever and will continue, according to Revelations, to do so. In my new book, I didn't have this last time. We're only making this available to uh, our dear friends and family right now because we've got it. It's called, it's uh, in, in author copy form right now. So I think we've got like 15 copies of this back there. But, and so we're going to sell them out to you guys today. But this is a step into beginning to educate, and I use a lot of the stories, and we're going to talk about some of them today, about how we begin to step into the realm as Christians to become the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, if you are a living, breathing vessel or conduit or temple of the Holy Spirit today, what should you be seeing? Signs, wonders, blind eyes opening up, deaf ears opening up, right? Would y'all like to see more of that in the body of Christ? Do you think those types of miracles that outshadow and outweigh Harry Potter would start to turn a generation back to a living God? instead of a historical God? That's what, even in, in this book, we break it down. I make it very palatable so that everybody, I use a lot of stories. But ultimately, God had me go deep into this, talking about healing, spiritual warfare, the Jezebel spirit, some of the things right now that we've not, we don't even talk about them anymore. You want to know why we don't talk about them? And maybe they talk about them in this church. But the reason why we don't talk about them is because it gives people the spooks. And it, when you're running organizations and churches, sometimes you don't want to talk about the meaty things because people like to hear about the favor of God. They want to hear about the love of God. They want to hear about God just oozing on you, and he loves you just like you are. Well, yeah, he loves you just like you are, but today he's loving you too much to leave you there. And so he sent to me because of them to come in here and say, today is the day. Look at somebody say, get up. That means now. That doesn't mean tomorrow. Remember last time we talked about your now miracle. 
So I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings 19, 1 through 17. Now we're going to read together for just a minute. I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. It just throws a few nice little adjectives in there that will hopefully relate to some of you a little better than some of the thus and the thous. It says the same thing, though. Oh, how awesome is that? They got it like in big print back there. Jesus is Lord. That's like a miracle. I can see. Okay. Now, Ahab responded to Jezebel. Now, let me, let me, let me go back just a second. Right before this is when Elijah, remember Jezebel, Jezebel represents, I have a whole chapter of this book dedicated to overcoming Jezebel. Not dedicated to Jezebel, but dedicated to equipping the body of Christ to overcome this demonic spirit. And it's not, a, it's not just a sensual spirit. A lot of people think, oh, that's the spirit that comes after men. It is not gender uh, biased. She comes after men and women. I'm going to show you that through Jesus and the spirits. She is, it's not just Jezebel, but it's spiritual forces that come to kill, still and destroy. And do you know there's symptoms that are attached to these spirits? Symptoms like, I just feel so fatigued and tired. I feel depressed all the time, and I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. I just feel this heaviness all the time, like just anxiety, right? Now, what do we do if we naturally go to a psychiatrist or we go to a doctor? What are they going to do for you? They're going to give you medicine, right? They're going to treat your body, but how do you know we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities? How many of you like to be free once and for all? So we're going to dig a little deeper. You know, Paul said, by now y'all should be off the milk. I have a whole another chapter dedicated to how to get off milk and get onto the meat of God's word. It's time we get off of, of the, the milk messages that make us feel good. And it's time we get onto the meat messages that make us powerful to the pulling down of strongholds, able to walk into any room and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can look at this room and I can tell you no matter what you came in here with, I don't care if you're a five-time murderer, my God is able to do exceeding, abundantly, far above all we could ask or think, and he can deliver you from that foul, murderous spirit in the name of Jesus. You know, so many times we don't even want to talk about some of the things that have become acceptable, like sexual sins and abortion and that. Why? Because we don't want people to feel bad. Because God is a healing God. God is a loving God. But what we're doing by not talking about it is we're not raising up the standard to say that even if you have had sexual sins or abortion, God can take that story, turn it around so the next girl doesn't or so the next guy doesn't. I, I feel called right now by God that I'm probably going to write a book about sanctified sexuality. Now, I'm going to talk about it this morning because we got some younger folks in here, but maybe one day we'll do a, a workshop so that we can begin to teach a generation about covenant and about what the things of God that he's given us for pleasure, what were they meant for, and how are we using them? Are you all ready for this this morning? Woo! So there was this time when we... Um, the, a pastor from an, another country came into uh, Covenant Church, and uh, Mike Hayes told this story uh, about a, a man bringing in a, a lion before he went to speak. 
And he was, obviously, he was leashed. And he came in and he walked out on the stage. Now, this is a very big auditorium. And he walked out and he walked to the front of the stage. And when he did, he had that lion beside him. You know, everybody thought that was pretty cool. And he unleashed the lion and he stepped back. And when he stepped back, as you can imagine, people are a little more nervous <laughs> because now the lion is unleashed. And what that lion did at that moment is that lion, when he stepped away, that lion let out a massive, massive roar. Have y'all ever heard a lion roar? Have y'all ever been to a safari? It's like a deafening sound, especially when you got microphones on, <laughs> right? And so it was this massive, massive roar. Well, as you can imagine, if I were the people in the front seat, I might have needed to go potty because it was just such authority. And then that lion stood there after making that declaration. He stood there and he just pierced the eyes of the room. And he scanned the room. And it was just silent. And then he just went back, laid down, and rolled over with his paws in the air. And so Mike says, well, what was that? And he says, when a lion comes into a new domain, the first thing he does is establishes alpha. And when he establishes alpha, what he does is he declares his power and then waits to see if anything or anyone in the room is going to rival his authority. And when he sees that there is none that can penetrate his authority, he rests. Y'all should be doing this right now. Because when I come in here, I am speaking with absolute authority because I know who's in the house. And when you know who's in your house and you know who's in the house, it doesn't matter if you have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Nothing on this planet can prescribe, describe, or define your authority and your power. Even your physical, you got something going on back there? Come here. What, what do you tell me? Just no. If this, are you eighty percent? I'm gonna use this example. You in your heart? Okay. I want this. Then go do this in your heart. You got it. This is extended. When it starts to hit you, I want this, and we're gonna start to celebrate what's happening in this house. Y'all got that? Okay. So let's start here. I want I want to bring you back. Y'all feel that the line of the tribe of Judah. Uh, I got a chapter in here called The Lion and the Lamb. There is a difference between those two parts of God. There is the line of the tribe of Judah, which is power, strength, authority, and dominion. And there's the lamb, and that's salvation, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness. We've had a lot of lamb lately in the body of Christ. But let me just tell you, he is unleashing the lion of the tribe of Judah in your life. Amen? Okay, here we go. Starting in chapter, uh, verse 1, Ahab, no, I was telling you, Ahab has just called down fire because, remember, Jezebel is running things. She's even running her husband. And so she's running things, and uh, there's all these pro 450 prophets. They're calling down, saying, our God is the God. Your God's a wimpy God. And Elijah says, okay, let's just have a God showdown. You go ahead and do what you need to chant to do. You go ahead and do what y'all need to do. And what happens? Nothing happened. So he then says, okay, put water on the sacrifice. And he says, now do it again. Three times, he says, put water on the sacrifice. And then what happens? Fire falls down from heaven, 
consumes the sacrifice, and this was a huge victory. Now, we read through that, and I want you to right now just let yourself imagine the adrenaline going through his body right now. Y'all feel that? That feeling of, oh, my God, this just happened. Now, on the back of his head, he's got Holy Spirit saying, annihilate all those false prophets right now. Take them out. So he didn't take out one or two. Can y'all imagine a 450 massacre of false prophets going down? Now, this is where we come now. This has just happened. So Ahab is the king of Israel at the time. He's corrupt. He's wicked. His wife is the most wicked, hateful, man-seeking, human-seeking, child-sacrificing spirit represented of this entire time and even all the way through revelations. It's that spirit that says, I hunger and I thirst for power. At any cost, we will win. Y'all ever come across that in the world, right? Okay, here we go. Chapter 19. Ahab goes back and reports to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of all the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger. Jezebel is jacked up mad, right? So this is the Stacy version. Jezebel is so mad because he has just taken out every single one of the men that was her layer of leadership that protected her false prophet, her false word, her hatred, her lies. So Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this. I'll even get even with you. By this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're going to be dead as one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for his life in fear to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went on into the desert. Another day's journey, he came alone under a broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way, hungering to be done with it all. I just want to die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Have y'all ever looked through the obituaries and like envied those people? Oh, God, you guys don't have to shake your head yes, because I know. There are times when that spirit becomes so loud, maybe it's better on the other side. But as long as you have breath, my friends, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Whether you are in prison or whether you are in greatness, God has a plan to use you to change the world around you. He goes on to say, suddenly an angel of the Lord came and woke him up. Somebody say, wake up. Yeah. Say it again. Say, wake up. Yeah. He said, get up and eat. That means to be awakened and fill your hunger. Now think about it. Elijah is in this place where he's tired. He's just called down fire from heaven. And he is completely in his flesh. Right? And he's not under the power of the Holy Spirit. He's just a man under a broom tree, and he is fearing for his life. Have you all ever been there? What about what the doctor said? What about the finances? How am I going to make it? When we get into that place, we begin to hunger for what Jezebel wants us to hunger for. 
She is the author of lies. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he uses his spirits, whether it's the spirit of Jezebel or Python or all the different spirits in the Bible, he uses spiritual attacks on our life to take us out and mute us so that we no longer stand in dominion to his forces. But this morning, everybody straighten up. Saying, I got the lion of the tribe of Judah on the inside of me. Again, the angel of the Lord came back, so obviously Elijah fell asleep again, and said, get up and eat. He got up and ate, drank his fill, and set out, nourished by the meal. Now, this is where he walks for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, that's a whole nother message. But as he goes, God is obviously sustaining him in that journey. Now, I want you to think about this. My son, I remember when he was two years old, he, did y'all ever have any kids that just had a uh, little stubbornness? So Peyton was the funniest little boy ever in the world, and he would laugh. Like, you'd just go, a boo, and he'd go, <laughs> and so people would come by the restaurant and go, can I do it? And they go, a boo, <laughs> and so he was just giddy, but when he decided he didn't want something or he wanted something, he would be like, no, no, no. Y'all ever had one of those kids? Oh, good. And as moms, when they're doing that, don't you just want to look at them and go, get up. I mean, Peyton, get up. Okay. That's what God is saying to our spirits this morning. Stop complaining. Stop moaning. Stop allowing depressive spirits, suicidal thoughts. Stop letting the fatigue come over you. It's time for you to get up, prepare yourself for battle, because the battle is still on, and God is still on the throne. And he wants to use you to be a part of that army. So why do I know that? We're going to jump now, because I love Old Testament, because it gives us some really great graphic stories that I think would make for some pretty good movies. But I want us to jump into the New Testament, and I want you guys to begin to see that this same hunger, thirst, pursuit of the enemy is all throughout the New Testament. Now, what we do today in teaching is a lot of times we just pick a little segment out of the Bible, right, and we put it into our narrative and we make it cool and neat. I want you to get a 30,000-foot view of what the Word of God, what Scripture is, and what it's trying to tell you. It's not just telling you to rejoice. It's telling you to rejoice because you know whose team you're on, and He is always in control, and the battle has already been won. That means, you know, and I tell this to my kids all the time, I am not defined or confined to this body. If, if my spirit leaves this body... I'm still going to haunt you down. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to be a part of the remnant of God. I'm going to be a part of the angelic force. I'm going to be ready, willing, and able to take my next step up to do what God's called me to do. When my daddy was on his deathbed before passing away, I stood at the end. The doctors had, you know, told him that he just had a few days to live. I stood at the end, and he had uh, renal cell carcinoma. It had spread through his spine. And it had eaten up four of his vertebrae. So he had to get a cage. And so he was no longer mobile. Now, my daddy was a very, very uh, astute businessman. Very, you know, those guys that are perfect, never a hair out of place, always looking good, smelling good. That's my daddy. 
So dignity was very important to my father. And so I knew in that moment, even though he was on a lot of pain medications, I knew in his mind, he knew I'm not at my best physically. But how many of you know we are not defined or confined by our physical bodies? I walked up that day when they said, you know, we need to make some choices about, you know, whether he's on a constant pain pump and all that. I went and told something to my mom, and I told her, I said, Mom, God's given me a vision of what's next. She says, I need you to go in there and tell your daddy. I walked in, and I got at the end of that bed, and he could just, you know, he'd just barely smile at me. And I looked at him, and I said, Daddy, I love you, but you are not defined by this body. And I just want you to know your greatest days of power are about to happen because when you go, the same spiritual mantle, a mantle never leaves the earth. Do you all understand that? It never leaves the earth. That that same spiritual mantle is going to be multiplied. When we look at Elijah, we see things that God has. So right now, today, I tell my kids, I just want you to know, I'm living for the other side. I'm talking to you for the other side. Set my kids down and said, I'm not looking to go out in a sweet bed of just, oh, she was just so precious. I'm going to go out like a Joan of Arc, and I'm going to fight the battle to the very, very end. I believe that that's why today, I don't know who you are, but he could have sent anybody into this house today to speak to you. But today, I believe God is raising up a remnant of fearless, fearless warriors Look at somebody beside you and say, that makes you fearless. Look at them. Do they look fearless? Maybe not. But we're not defined or confined by our flesh, right? They might look old and tired. They might even be sleeping. Hit them if they are. But here's what I know is that God, this morning, there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit that is going to hit this room, and you guys are going to feel it, you're going to know it, and you're going to leave this place knowing that you are empowered by Almighty God. Are you tired or are you feeling something? I'm just feeling you over there. He's like got this move going on. All right. All right, good. I love it. Okay, are you ready? Matthew 11, verse 2. I'm going to read again the word of the Lord. Are you ready? When the word of the Lord, y'all need to be prepared to receive this because this is for you. John, meanwhile, has been locked up in prison. When he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples asking, are you the one we've been expecting? Everybody say expectancy. Or are we still waiting? Jesus told them, I want you to go back to John and you tell John this. The blind see, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this what you were expecting or were you expecting just some little wind in the reed in the wind? Because that's normal. We got that going on in churches all over the place this morning. But if you came this morning, he's saying, expecting, maybe you expected somebody in robes. Maybe you expected someone famous. Maybe you expected someone to come in here that was going to be just looking all perfect and, and just having a wave of, of people behind them saying, oh, hell, that person. He said, no, I could have done that because I am the king of kings. But I'll tell you what I came here with. He said, when John's disciples left to report Jesus talking to the crowd about John, what did you expect to see? 
a weekend camper. This is the Message Bible. <laughs> hardly, uh, hardly what then? A chic in silk pajamas? <laughs> Not in the wilderness. Not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right. That's what you're getting today. You're getting a prophet. Probably the best prophet you've ever heard in John the Baptist. Now let me tell you what's going on, verse 11 to 14. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history has surpassed John the Baptist. But in the kingdom he prepared for you, the lowliest person is ahead of him that has been greatest. How many of y'all felt lowly? How many of y'all felt a little behind the eight ball? Are y'all ready? Because that's who God uses this morning. You will culminate, teaming up with him in preparing the way for the Messiah. Elijah, you have all been expecting to arrive to introduce the Messiah. Now, verse 15, are you listening to me? Are you really listening? Are y'all listening with your spirit? How can I account for this generation? These people have been like spoiled little kids. <laughs> Whining to their parents. We want to skip rope. You were always too tired. We want to talk, but we were too busy. John came fasting. They called him crazy. I came feasting, and they called me a lush. Friend of the riffraff. Opinion polls don't count for much today, do they? The proof is in the pudding. It's in the eating. How many of y'all maybe been a little bit like that whiny child? God, when? God, when? God, when is it going to be my turn? God, when is it going to be my miracle? God, when? Why is everybody else getting money and I'm still impoverished? God, when? God, when? And God is saying, today I'm going to shift your hunger. I'm going to shift what you hunger for. I'm going to shift what you whine for. I'm going to shift what you pursue. I'm going to shift your perspective. Because today God is saying, get up and readdress your hunger. God's going to begin to feed us today with something that is so much bigger and better than living bread. You remember when Jesus was in the desert? What, what, what happened there? Same thing. There was a temptation of hunger, right? There was a temptation of depression, oppression. There was a temptation to stay where he was. What did Satan say? Now, now we don't get Satan showing up straight up to us. We usually get God, Satan sending one of his spirits, right? But Jesus got the big dog coming after him. And what did he say in that moment? First thing is, he tempts, us, tempts him with his hunger. I want to ask you a question. What are you craving today? Are you craving wealth? Been on that side, and I'm telling you, it does not suffice. Are you craving recognition? I've been on that side, and I'm telling you, even when you get it, it's like, oh, there's got to be something more. You craving a new car, a new house, new money? Are you craving to be accepted by other people? I'm just telling you, anything that this world offers you will not fill you up. And I'm not speaking to you as one who is wanting. I'm coming out of that world and I'm saying, I want the living God. I don't want things. I don't want, I'm just telling you right now, God has a plan and a purpose for a remnant of people. And he says, if you will crave me, if you will hunger for me, if you'll press into me. It's, and, I, and I sit here and I know I've sat in that same seat and I've heard this scripture. If you will fervently pursue me. But I believe right now in the name of Jesus. 
This is the gift of tongues. That is only profitable if it has interpretation. Inside the house. I have heard your cry, says the Lord. And I am present to fill you with a living water in which you will never thirst again. I will fill you with a meat that you will never hunger again. If you press into my presence, if you pursue my spirit, if you submit to my way, then I will begin to use you, yes, even you. That one that is saying, but me, I'm a nobody. He says, yes, you. I will use you to open the mouth of the lion, to stare inside and say, yet nothing there. You ain't got nothing on me. And I will give you the power, even in the midst of your enemies, to stand strong. I will give you the ability in the midst of the fire of this world to come out and not be scathed. I am your God. I am able to do exceeding abundantly far above all you could ask or think. I'm not looking for perfect vessels. I am looking for yielded vessels. I'm looking for people who will say, yes, Lord, choose me. I'm available. And you will begin to see that the wealth that I have for you is not defined by this world. You can't put a comma on it. You can't put a symbol on it because it is a wealth that is rooted in my presence. Seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these other things that you've been hungering for will be added unto you because I am a God that I rest above this earth. And I'm asking you, wake up, get up, step up and eat of what I am providing for you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Get up. Get up. Pursue me. Pursue me. Matthew 11, 2, verse 9. He says, is this what you were expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed if you are expecting the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. Don't you come back to church expecting anything less. It's not up to a preacher to bring the presence of God in this house. It's up to the people who are hungering and thirsting and calling on God fasting and praying and interceding and saying, God, I hunger for you. I thirst for you. I want to get on the other side. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to get into that heavenly realm even in this life. I want to see the presence of God in this life. You are on the other side of eternity. Do you realize that? We're not waiting to die. He split the veil so that we could enter in. We are there now, and we can begin now to begin to experience the fullness, the beauty, the wonder of his presence. Verse 7 says, when John's disciples left to report, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. What did you expect to see? Um, verse 11, let me tell you what's going on here. 
No one in history surpasses John the Baptist. But in the kingdom he prepared for you, the lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now, this is where he breaks it down, and he explains what's been happening in the spiritual realm. He says, for a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and the God's laws closely, you'll see them culminate in John. I want to jump over and read that exact same thing over in uh, the new uh, NIV version. Go down to verse 11. Actually, I'm going to read it in King James. Uh, into verse 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there's never been one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is what you probably remember, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by, by what? Okay, let's break that scripture down so you can see today. That what gave Elijah the power to overcome the prophets was he was in a state of hunger for the force of God. He was pressing in. We need a miracle, God. He was back to back with the enemy forces. And he was pressing in, wanting what was on the other side. Wanting heaven to invade earth, right? When Jesus was in the desert... The enemy came after him the same way, trying to tempt him with hunger and trying to tempt him with his thoughts, with his flesh, trying to tempt him with the search for power and the things of this earth. But when you begin to recognize the plot of the enemy to distract you from the greater things, that's when you can begin to shift an environment to where no longer are you looking for a miracle. You're not looking for a move of God. You are a move of God. And you're looking for a place to land. You're looking for people to lay hands on. Why this morning? Do we want to see some of this this morning? Not for you, but so God can get through you. So you can become the conduit of God. Not so that there'll be, you know, just a few preachers around the world that talk about healing and deliverance, but so that we have thousands like ants scattering all over the world saying, choose me. God, I'm ready, I'm willing, and I'm available. That scripture that says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, what that means is breaking it down. If you do any commentary, do any breakdown of the Greek of that, it means that there is a pursuit of the things of God. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus, much like uh, Elijah of old, Jesus was be and, and John the Baptist was constantly being thronged by people pursuing what it was he had. Because no one was showing up with this kind of healing virtue. Y'all realize that? So why did the multitudes press in towards Jesus? Because he had something that they didn't have. They wanted the miraculous. That woman with the issue of blood pressed in because she heard about this Jesus. This one that with him, I don't know who he is, but they say he's got healing in his veins. I want that. I'm going to press into that. So even as they were pressing in with John the Baptist and Jesus, this scripture is saying that's how people are pursuing the kingdom of God. They want what's on the other side. So those who are violent, fervor, who deeply, deeply want what God's got, those who are eager to be in his presence, those are the ones who are going to take it by force. Do y'all feel that? Do y'all want that? Because coming to church going, just hope Jesus shows up today. That is not fervor. That's not a violent force. But if in this house, if he's having to sit down right now, 
I don't believe anything can happen to a man of God that God's not going to use it to get through the people. So sometimes God is going to allow things in your life so that bigger things can take place. So is his energy, has his energy been top of the line, top not? No. So what is God doing? God is here to shake you up. This isn't about him. This is about you. I believe that God is saying there's sickness in the body of Christ. And I am going to come and I'm going to be the miracle worker. And more so than healing our physical body, he's here to heal our, heal our spiritual bodies, our strength and our fervor so that we'll become that mouthpiece that God wants us to be. When we begin to hunger for the things of God, everything shifts. Everything shifts. Matthew 5, 6 says, you know what it reminds me of? Have y'all been watching what's going on in the news with the people from Honduras? Got anybody here from Honduras? Nobody? Y'all see how they're pressing across the, the gates, pressing through the gates, trying to get in. They were on that big bridge. I think a few thousand of them have gone back now. But why were they? Because they knew what was back there. And they know that if it's worth me maybe even dying to get on the other side of there, but I'm going to get what's mine. I want to get over there, and I want to get what's mine for my children, for my children. I don't want to live there anymore. you got to get that. I don't know. It's probably politically motivated in some way, but I don't care. You know what? What happens in the natural, God's giving us a supernatural perspective that we need to have that kind of hunger and thirst. I'm going to pick up my babies, and I'm going to walk out of this deathbed. I'm going to pick up my babies. I'm not going to stay in a crack house anymore. I'm going to pick up my babies, and I'm not going to stay drinking. I'm not going to stay cheating. I'm not going to stay lying. I'm going to be the woman of God I'm called to be. I'm going to be the man of God I'm called to be. And suddenly, we don't want what was back there. We don't want another brewski. Because we realize that brewski's been dogging us out for a long time. The, the temptation was not in the bread. The temptation is what the bread stood for. Jesus said, man shall not live by beer alone. You know, there's yeast in beer. <laughs> there's things of this world that what Jesus was saying, he's saying, get up. Get up. Elevate your perspective. Because what I have for you, this world cannot suffice. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they're going to be filled, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those. It doesn't say who hunger and thirst for promotion. It doesn't say blessed are those who hunger and thirst to have more followers on Instagram. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be number one. He said blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. When we begin to pursue the greater things of God, everything of this world seems to fall as just, just nothing. Psalm 63.1. Are y'all ready? I'm coming into a close. I'm landing. Psalm 63.1. God, you are my God. Earnestly, with zeal, fervor, violently, I'm adding some adjectives, do I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body yearns, hungers 
earnestly wants to be for you in a dry and thirsty land. Are you there? Or did y'all just come to sing some songs this morning? Because if you're ready right now, in five minutes, God's going to do what may take other people five years to do in your life. God is about to pour out His Spirit upon your life right now. And He's about to do something that you got a hunger and you got a thirst for it. You got to be like blind Bartimaeus saying, God, I want all that you have for me. You got to be like that woman with the issue of blood reaching out. And Jesus says, Who touched me? Everybody touched you. No, who touched me with faith? John 7 3. Are y'all ready? John 7 37 says, If any of you are really thirsty, anybody thirsty? Ever felt like you've been in a dry and thirsty land? How about a dry and thirsty generation? How about an empty generation? He says, if any of you is thirsty, come to me now and I will fill you. What do you need from him today? You don't need another comma in your bank account. You need peace that passes all understanding. You don't need a disease to be removed from your body. You need to transcend the physical and understand that you walk in full abundance and healing. So right now, as you begin, and I'm just telling you, when you've lived with it long enough, you get tired and you go under a broom tree. I can tell you that two days ago when I called Pastor Sandy, she was tired. A lot of decisions happen to be made. Y'all feel that? Y'all understand that in your own life? And sometimes you've got to have a Holy Spirit shot in the arm of straight up Java from heaven that comes into your veins and says, get up, get up. Let me shift your perspective, baby. Get up. Because there's times where you think, God, did you bring us this far just to kill us? Get up. God, I've served you my whole life. Did you bring me this far just to let me down? Get up. But God, I've tried everything. I've gone to all the doctors. Get up. Shift your hunger. Shift your perspective. You don't need a physical deliverance. You need a spiritual deliverance. That same spirit of Jezebel that tries to attack, that same spirit of Satan that attacked Jesus, Jesus had to come to a place and say, let me just tell you what the Word of God says. It says man shall not live by your temptations alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. When Jesus came to the end of that scripture, that passage, he was saying, if any of you is thirsty, come to me, because drinks are on the house. Come on now, drinks are on the house. That means it's free. That means you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to have insurance for it. You don't have to have a lawyer for it. Won't you stand up on your feet right now? Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lifechristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.